Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, White Sox fans, Brett Valentini here, hosting Southside Sox on the Farm podcast number 29. And with me once again, co-hosting, representing the team that just took a lead in a big Dodgers-White Sox game. It's the Rick Hahn Whisperer himself. Uh, this time his cape, this week is his Superman cape is actually trying to figure out what is going on with our rookie league teams, previewing just out of thin air. It's a skill. He's done it many years before. He did it again for us this year. We'll get to that at the end of the show. We'll bury that at the very back end of the show. It's Darren Black. Thank you for joining me, Darren. Yeah, uh, this time actually back in a week. Yeah, <laughs> well, thanks for reminding me. Thanks for reminding me. Yes, this is the one week all year. I have not lied to you, dear listener, dear viewer, dear reader. We did come back to back. Let's see if we can fill a half hour to talk about the White Sox uh-huh. system. Maybe there's a reason why we've been going every couple of weeks. Let's get right to it, Darren. Uh, Adam Hazley, Hazley, whatever his name is, was your MVP this week in, uh, in the piece that's publishing alongside this podcast here on Wednesday morning. Uh, but we're not going to talk about him, even though I suppose, I guess he could help the White Sox at some point. Whatever. Okay. Sorry, Adam. Uh, we're blowing past you. You're going to have to do it for like another three weeks for us to really believe. Uh, let's talk about the guy, uh, Darren. I'm not afraid to say, even though it makes me out to be the fool I am hosting this on the Farm Podcast. Romy Gonzalez was my number one prospect going into this year. And I know that's ridiculous. Oh, my God. You got to pick Colson Montgomery, Nori Vera, you know, whoever, whatever, Cespedes, somebody, right? Okay, that's so stupid. Well, listen, my thinking was 
This is a guy who made that huge jump, 2020 guy. I understand maybe his ceiling is, is obviously it's lower than, than some of these other players who are more likely to be or more traditionally would be in your top five prospects, top 10 prospects. But the fact that it would probably be just, it would laugh me off the stage, I think is a little silly too. The guy made such a leap. There was no reason to believe that he wouldn't hit the ground running, say at Charlotte or with the White Sox and play really well, which he has not done this year. So I guess I have just proven to be the fool, but uh, Romy is the guy that you have uh, discussed, used your space in this week's update to talk about in terms of him, what he's done so far this year and why he could very well be even a better choice uh, than Gilbert Sanchez uh, to move to, to move up to the White Sox. Geez, they have the need now, but whenever that magic time is, Rakan said, I guess today or yesterday, like, no, we don't need Gilbert or Sosa until like the end of the year. It's like, Ah, what team is he watching? Anyway, uh, Darren, let's talk a little bit about that whole situation where the White Sox do have a desperate need and they just don't seem like they're going to fill it from within. <laughs> yeah, so it, the talk has rightfully been on Yolbert Sanchez and Lenyon Sosa in general. Lenyon Sosa has been awesome and Yolbert Sanchez has not been as good, but he's in Charlotte, so he's actually at the next step would be right. you know that, that second base spot. Um, but the reason why Romy Gonzalez just hasn't been, you know, in the minds uh, that often is he just really hasn't been playing. He's been hurt. Um, he had a, a weird three game stint a couple weeks ago where he played, didn't do particularly well. And then uh, spent another two weeks not playing. Um, and last week was his first week back. And I mean, he was pretty good. Um, the problem with him this year, it might just because he's not really playing that often, off and on in injuries, it's been strikeouts. He's been striking out a ton right now, 35% overall, um, which is n- not good, especially if you're still in the minor striking out that much, but you can maybe think, okay, he's really hasn't been playing that much. So maybe it's just because he's been hurt only 21 games. So, uh, I would say give him more time. Um, he said, treat this like a rehab assignment. He's come back for the first time in a while um, and just see how he is and how he feels at the plate. Because if he's not ready, then don't call him up. Wait for Timmy to come back and then just keep riding, as Rick Hahn said, riding the guys that you have already that are sure. working out. So I think we'll Romy has the but- Romy does seem like he has the time because, yeah, it does. I mean, granted, I guess, you know, you're not going to tip your hand and be like, oh, yeah, uh, hey, hey, media, hey, fans, we're, we're calling up Sosa tomorrow. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I suppose there's some gainsmanship involved, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a little bit. It's a little bit gutting when, when there are so few players in your system who are doing well and there does seem to be a natural fit. Um, you know, be, you know, if there was like a first base need, oh my God, the White Sox would have like guys to fill, you know I mean? It's just rare that there seems to be like this, this puzzle piece fit. And yet it's gonna be like, well, you know what, let's just see what Josh Harrison still has for it. It's like, oh yeah. man, uh, that's rough. Uh, okay. Let, uh, speaking of guys who, you know, were thought of to perhaps uh, be able to help potentially the 2022 team and a guy who really is sort of being seen a little bit as a disappointment this year, because he, in, in, he sort of set himself up. He had a really nice spring training. He opened some eyes with, with his ability and that's Yolke Cespedes. He's a guy now who's crawled back up. I want to say you pointed out the other day, I think he's, he's, he's approaching that uh, 800 OPS uh, level. Seems like he sort of gained back some momentum. He lost with a, a slow start this year, which I think he may have had last year as well. I know he just DH for like the first couple of weeks, but um, is he a guy 
Talk a little bit about Yolke, but I'd also like to know what the chances are. He seems always, or I'm tying him all in all the time to Oscar Colas. Uh, are we going to see those guys in the same outfield, or if one it, it, is it is it is it going to just be the train where Yolke goes to Charlotte, uh, Oscar it comes to Birmingham? Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I guess since the last few times we've talked, Oscar Colas has kind of always also been on that often on yeah. the diamond uh, sort of thing. So he's yeah. still kind of coming back into fruition from everything. And he had a decent week uh, last week as well, um, but still not playing all the time. Um, I think odds are it's, if they are going to be on the same outfield this year, it's going to be in Birmingham. Um, Yolke's problem right now, he did well last week, but he still didn't. Um, he's His walk rate has really fallen off. I mean, he's walked three times in 173 plate appearances. Um and as I said in the in the piece, like Tim Anderson is the type of player who can do that. But Tim Anderson yeah. is striking out 11% of the time right now, and Yolke's striking out 27% of the time. In There's a difference. So there's a huge difference uh, in that. I mean, the power numbers are great. Uh, the batting average in balls in play is pretty good. Um, but a 273 batting average that's only bumped up to a 295 on base percentage is not, you know, that's not going to fly. That's not flying in double A. He has an exactly average uh, WRC plus because he just doesn't walk. Um, and it's not like he showed that he could be in a 40 game, five game um, stint in high A last year, he had a 6.5% walk rate. That's not, you know, like fantastic, but um, it helped him. Yeah, it's better. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had a 355 on base percentage over that time span, so he can he can get there. Uh, he's just, he seems like he's pressing more often right now. Um, maybe he is getting, uh, you know, kind of just worn down. Um, he hasn't played this early uh, in a season yet, so maybe he's mm. just not used to it, but he needs to turn that around sooner than later because I was expecting to see him in Charlotte and, you know, pushing to get into right field. And right now he is not that guy. And do you think with guys, I mean, and, and, and the players in the system have a variety of backgrounds. Some are like, you know, like pushing 30 years old and they're still like trying to make their way into the majors. Some guys are coming from obviously other countries, uh, you know, other cultures. Some guys come straight uh, from high school, some playing college. Um, did you think him getting a little bit of buzz, him sort of making a little bit of an impact in, I mean, we might've seen that with uh, Luis Pasabe, maybe, uh, I guess it might be a couple of years ago as well, where, where you sort of hit the ground running, maybe you start to feel like, you know, maybe in a way you almost belong. Do you think not only going down to Charlotte, but going back down to Birmingham, even though I'm sure going in, he knew that's where he was going to end up. You think that can play a role too? You're sort of like the mental grind at like, geez, man, I feel like I should maybe almost be there already. And now I'm in Birmingham and I realize it's, it's still a ways off. Yeah. I mean, I guess some would probably say that about your mean Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. It, it, kind of the same situation yeah. there. Uh, but Yolke has just kind of done this on double A. Mm-hmm. Um, he really, it, it might just be the simple fact that he just was going up against, you know, lesser pitchers in high A, and now he's at the double A crunch, like a lot of players get. Because when he ended the year pretty poor um, in double A, um, and then, you know, no one really remembers the Arizona Fall League. But right. I did some games, so I remember the Arizona Fall League. <laughs> yes, you did. You um, earned that knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And Yoki Cespedes was one of the guys that was not uh, that good there. Um, and it's, now it's just kind of a trend of him kind of, you know, showing power. Um, and that's kind of what he is. Um, and you hope that <laughs> you hope that he becomes Tim Anderson and strikes out 11% of the time and only walks three times over 173 plate appearances, but Timmy, Tim Anderson is special. 
Yeah. Um, Yolke has not, you know, proven that he's that type of guy. Yeah, really to ask another player in the system to be uh, a, a, a un- as much of a unicorn as Tim Anderson is, that's a, that's a high ask. I yeah. can't imagine we'll yeah. necessarily see another guy like that in our lifetime, much less on the same roster. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let's hit uh, single A. And boy, this is a guy that you wrote up uh, this week who I want to say is he's maybe got a little bit of a rough run from, from fans. I mean, part of it, he's in the shadow of his sort of like his, his best bud is his bromance partner, uh, Colson Montgomery, but you know, he's a second round pick and Colson's a first round pick. Colson has had a more successful, I'm not sure you would necessarily say the shortened pro year uh, pro debut last year, but certainly this year Colson um, up until very recently has been much better. A guy that you would see perhaps moving up in a way that West Calf. Uh, maybe isn't, but Kath has really come on and, you know, see, he's got sort of a, has he got a rough run from, from, I mean, this is still early. We can't really make our, our opinions, you know, set too much in stone yet, but he just seems to be a guy who's easily overlooked and, you know, by all uh, measures, it seemed like Ice were prepared to take him in the first round of Colson wasn't there. So this is a guy who they, you know, was very highly regarded by the White Sox brass uh, in addition yeah. to Colson Montgomery. Yeah, I do recall them saying that they would have taken him in the first if Colson hadn't dropped there. Um, but with uh, Cat's situation, he started out uh, just really, really bad. He's a high strikeout guy, so if he's not, you know, hitting for power and walking at the same time as he's doing this, it's just reading, you know, over three, one walk, three strikeouts, or and then over two, two walks, two strikeouts, and then over four, over four, over four. That was kind of what was happening with him in the uh, early April. Um, but he's gotten the walk rate up. Um, the K's are down, but 33% is still a lot. But it is trending down, which is a good thing. Um, if it was 30, 33% and last year it was at 20 or so, that would not be a good sign. Um, we would have to kind of rethink mm-hmm. uh, where he's at, and you wouldn't even think about him you know, moving up even next year. Um, but he's showing a lot more power recently. Um, you kind of want to see more from him because he came into uh, uh, or came out of the draft with more power than Colson Montgomery and more to grow into Mm -hmm. uh, or not more to grow into, but more uh, right away. Um, Mm -hmm. Montgomery had more to grow into, Um, but I mean, they've been a nice, like one, two punch the past, I would say half a month uh, since Colson Montgomery has been back Um, and they've been batting um, right by each other too. So you would love to see that in the future, uh, Mm -hmm. I guess, probably two, three years from now, you're projecting out since they're both 19. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good starts. 2021 draft is looking pretty decent so far. Yeah. Uh, you know, it gets boring, Darren, just go Charlotte, Birmingham, Winston-Salem, Canapolis. So this time, listen, you know, I threw a little curveball. We took a detour. We went straight to Canny. Now let's get back to Winston-Salem and a little bit closer to the research triangle. Uh, let's talk about your Dash MVP, a guy who's been an MVP many times before in Canapolis and even in Winston-Salem this year. And that's sort of everybody's uh, darling prospect who uh, uh, briefly lost a little bit of shine uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago. He's sort of back. It's Brian Ramos, uh, a guy who I think is getting a little bit more and more uh, national attention now as well. And uh, yeah, I guess let's talk about his week and uh, you know, what his prospects are to maybe move up. Are the White Sox going to handle him with kid gloves and, and keep him from maybe running into uh, too much pushback in, in 2022 by not bringing him up to the Barons? Uh, I, I would say him getting um, promoted to the Barons probably will for sure not happen uh, soon and it probably won't happen until uh, those 
college guys that they take in the July, mid-July draft are actually through the rookie leagues and then they have to start promoting from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, so I would probably put late July as a reasonable expectation, uh, but he, his season so far has been an outrageous April and then a pretty poor uh, uh, May. Um, and June is off to a good start right now, uh, but he needs to keep going and prove that he can keep doing this um, throughout a season and not have that, you know, uh, 20 game span of just really bad baseball. Um, he is just 20. So again, yeah. he's lower than what he should be at that, at that uh, age or at that level. But uh, we saw Jose Rodriguez do that last year, go from, uh, low A or high A to double A. So we know that they will do it if, mm-hmm. he, if he proves it. Um, and through the first month, he, and if he would have continued that at <laughs> right. you know any kind of pace, yeah. you might see him there right now, to be honest. But he's got to keep proving that he can, that he can do it. Um, his plate approach has been better so far this year. Even when he wasn't hitting the ball well last month, he was walking more and striking out less than April which is a great sign. He probably just wasn't getting uh, as much luck as uh, he was in April or just not hitting the barrel uh, when he was actually getting pitches to hit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's shot up prospect rankings. Fangrass actually raised him number one overall in the system. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but he's a, he's a guy to watch. Um, you've got possible future first, third, and short just in these two levels here in Winston-Salem mm-hmm. and Kannapolis. Uh, between him, Colson Montgomery, and West Cap, and they're all doing really well at the same time. You've uh, sort of connected him and Jose Rodriguez, um, I guess, pretty much forever. Uh, you you were certainly always quick to point out last year that really, if 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 Jose Rodriguez was like the one star prospect, I mean, I suppose, I guess, aside from Romeo Gonzalez, <laughs> but certainly, you know, certainly in the in the lower ranks, the one A would have been Brian Ramos. So. You know, I've come to sort of associate those two guys. I think you may look at it that way as well. Is Brian Ramos tracking about what you would have thought? Is it about the arc of Jose Rodriguez a year ago? Is is he generally in that range? Is he falling behind a little bit? Where where do you feel? Is he a little ahead? Uh, So from a year ago, um, Jose Rodriguez was just hitting the cover off the ball still. Um, So he's behind in that respect. uh, But these guys are still basically on the same track. Um, just uh, Brian Ramos is just eager younger and is not even as good defensively. You're not really sure where he's going to end up at. I was going to ask. Is pretty sure second or short. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're projecting out to the majors and pretending that all the top prospects work, it's first base mm-hmm. uh, for Brian Ramos. But you might as well keep trying him a third. He's not terrible. Mm-hmm. He might actually end up being better than West Cass, but you would hope that your second round pick can play as the position that he was drafted for, mm-hmm. which I know the White Sox haven't had much luck in that respect, or they forced that to happen with Gavin Sheets. So, um, but- so maybe uh, with the exception of Yolbert Sanchez, um, the defensive improvement that the White Sox need to show at the major league level is not necessarily going to come from the minor <laughs> league ranks at this point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's a simple answer. No problem. Hey, wow. We blew through four levels. Boy, Darren, this is easy. We just wrap this up. No problem. No, you don't get to leave yet. You don't get to watch the end of the White Sox game. Uh, because guess what? We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk somehow. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to try to quiz you and you're going to have to spend at least a couple of minutes talking about the rookie leagues. You up for that? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've got no me. choice because we're coming <laughs> back after this break. See everybody in a minute. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, White Sox fans. Brett Valentini here, hosting along with Darren Black, the tireless worker. Sometimes he just has to figure out things are right just out of thin air, like perhaps this week when I asked him in a speed round challenge, please preview the two rookie league teams (laughs) that now have just popped up and started playing out of nowhere without a lot of fanfare. The Dominican Summer League team in the Dominican Republic. And of course, at Camelback Ranch, the sole rookie league stateside team, uh, the ACL White Sox, uh, have begun play. It was previewed by Darren Black. We've already had results, which, by the way, was also updated and uh, written up by Darren Black. Basically, the default is if it's minors, Think Darren first, and then occasionally, like Julie Brady squeezes in there. Occasionally, Super Joe Reese's gets in there, elbows, you know, tells Darren just to take a day off. And even sometimes, who knows? Maybe I'll maybe I'll still pop up. I don't think I've had to yet. Maybe I did a little co. Maybe I think I think Joe yeah, gave out one night, but yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a relatively update free for me this year, which is probably to all readers' relief. But Darren. Uh, we've got your previews linked in the post to this uh, podcast in case people somehow miss them. Go figure. There's not a lot to write about these teams. And because you made a point of it, I'm going to hand the mic over to you and just talk to me about why in the world the rookie league starts a month before a draft and why the draft is in July. And I mean, it just does seem like they're just throwing darts at a board like, okay, well, I guess this year the draft is August 1st. Okay. Next year it's going to be September 12th. It does seem to be sort of silly and random. The only thing I can think of is weeding out guys who are already sort of flushing out of the system. And so you get like a month to see the guys you want to get rid of for the draft, but that's not really the way it's going to play out to play out uh, too much anyway. So, all right, I hand the mic over. Uh, give me a little bit of rant about what's going on in Arizona. Yeah. So uh, for this, I think this is the first year uh, though. You might be able to count the COVID year when there was no minor league baseball and they still drafted just five rounds. So mm-hmm. um, the, amateur draft was pushed back to mid July. Um, so your rookie leagues, now none of them would go to the Dominican uh, rookie league, right? Uh, but the Arizona complex league, uh, all everyone drafted all 20 of those guys if, and 18 to 20 of them will sign will be on that rookie league team. Uh, if you're, if you watch college baseball, which I don't, you don't need to, it's not that fantastic, but um not many teams are playing right now and most of the top guys are high school draft picks and you would think you would want them to get them into your facilities and at least you know do some instruct league stuff but no (laughs) they need to prepare for a combine and and such because you know baseball's history has all been been all about you know finding people at combines (laughs) and not you know at just ballparks wherever it definitely has not been baseball's history they always invite all the hey you 
high yeah. school guy from Kansas yeah. Yeah. in the it's, 1920s come to New York Yankee Stadium and practice for us. Yeah, it's almost like the major <laughs> leagues are showing this like uncommon respect for like the college world series because I know there's been years, maybe even traditionally, the draft has come like during sort of maybe what some some latter stages of the college world series. It's like, well, first of all, that's only gonna this, how many guys is that really going to affect? I mean, I know a substantial number, I suppose, but not, I mean, relative to 20, 30, 40 rounds, no. Uh, it does seem like a strange gap. And yeah, you're right. Now this manufactured uh, combine, ooh, such such buzz. You think it's going to get as much buzz as the NFL combine in Indianapolis? Oh my God, I bet it's going to be so sexy. It's probably going to be like 24-hour coverage on ESPN, like the, the NFL draft, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> the NFL always does it right. They have the draft and then rookie minicamp start. Mm-hmm. It's not rookie minicamp and then the draft, which is, it's just, I, I don't understand it. You can uh, try to say it's, you know, just helping these kids try to find a job um, for a month and prove that they deserve to be on the team. But they, the front office knows which guys they're going to release. And, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, odds are if someone's doing well and they're a bit older in these rookie leagues, they'll just go up to Canapolis and some guy in Canapolis that's, you know, mm a bit older will get promoted and then somebody along the line is just going to get released. That was always going to get released, right. but I don't understand it. Yeah. But spinning, they're doing it. So it's sort of spinning the wheels for a month and lucky you four out of seven days, you get to recap some of that nonsense. God bless you for the, for the work that you do for us, Darren Black. Um, uh, okay. What was my question going to be about? Well, I don't really want to talk about this team because it, it is sort of like, you know, it's guys, you know, for, there's, you know, I, I really always liked uh, Cabrillo Weaver, but he's a guy now who's fallen from high A to Arizona. I guess this gives him opportunity to sort of get his bearings, but that is that's absolutely not the direction you want to be going. Uh, and, you know, there, there are probably a couple other cases like that as well. Um, you know, uh, you know, you cited a couple guys, you know, I, I suppose to watch, you can, you know, you can read that article if you haven't read it already to, to catch a few of the pre-draft players of interest that Darren might actually be writing up in game play. Uh, <laughs> if you want to on your own, we don't necessarily have to discuss it unless you want to say, Hey, Brett, Oh my God, I got to talk about this guy. Let's go to the Dominican. Let's leave the country, Darren. And let's talk about a league that's even more enshrouded in mystery to the point where it becomes a difficult scrap just to get photos. I've had to start actually using or try to look at Instagram, which is something I swore I would never do just to try to find some photos of these guys, which actually do have some success doing. They just post photos of themselves because there's no other way to get them. So I guess that's the the best hope, but let's see of those guys. We have a fellow named Eric Hernandez who has been given some incredibly lofty comps. So let's just not exactly say he's going to be Juan Soto, but let's just uh, uh, apply some excitement to a guy that the White Sox obviously were really excited to get. Uh, He's going to play all year. There's no, there's no promotion going on in season, no matter how great you are. There's for, for the blue chippers, there's a reason why they're there for the whole season, right? Uh, They got to keep uh, all of their money. Uh, So we're not going to see him in this country until next year. Uh, Do we expect he will decimate DSL or is he even going to get a lot of time like a, like a Vera where it's like, well, let's just not do anything that messes him up too much either. Uh, Well, I think just in general, he will get more time because they do kind of, he's an outfielder and the starting outfielders in the DSL will just play more often. 
they have a they just have a ton of pitchers on the team, so they might as well just use them all. And Norgay Vera kind of uh, fell in that. Um, I might you know my labrum's kind of hurting. Uh, let's just come back and not really pitch that much. Um, but even then, no starter is going five innings in these yeah. games. Sometimes they end early. The one today ended at seven innings. So they it's just kind of it got too hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and but I Eric Hernandez. Er, yeah, Eric Hernandez was the 28th rated international prospect um, in the Oscar Colas year, and he was fifth overall just for comparison's sake. Um, Eric Hernandez got a $1 million bonus, so that much of a bonus, especially for the White Sox, means that he should play a lot just to kind of prove that he is was worth that much. Um, but he he is young, which is the odd thing with the White Sox top uh, international uh, signings, you think of Yolbert Sanchez, Jose Breu, Luis Robert, Nogue Vera, Wilkie um, Cespedes. Those are, those were all older guys. Um, <laughs> Eric Hernandez was born in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's a really young guy. So he's not going to be pushed through the system that much. Um, like if he had only played, I don't know what the comparison is to 20 innings, which Norgay Vera had, but mm-hmm. let's say that's seven games. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would be going to Kannapolis, uh, which right. Norgay Vera is doing. Right. He would stay in the ACL. Right. Um, he wouldn't really move that much. So I don't think they're going to push him, but he should do much better than a lot of these guys. Cause some of these guys got far fewer dollars uh, around the league. When, when, when a player makes you laugh, cause he's so young, you know, the guy is really young. Uh, okay. Listen, now there's one <laughs> so that we give the DSL it's, it's proper uh, due and respect. I want to talk, and this tells you the type of prep and the type of incredible prospects knowledge I have Darren. I don't even know the guy's name, but he's a Cuban prospect signed late. And he has a strangely, though he's Cuban, I believe Cuban, a strangely Italian seeming last name. And of course, that naturally attracts me. And, and now he's he's my favorite guy. Now, can you tell me about that guy with the Italian name? But he's another yeah. guy that you certainly highlight in your preview. And he's another one that I think we should probably earmark uh, to keep an eye on because he's a little bit older prospect. He's a guy you might expect to... Um, to be required or expected uh, to maybe be in Canapolis next year. Yeah. So Lloyd Ciappelli, um, he, or Lloyd L. Ciappelli. Hey, um, Ciappelli. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, he's starting um, uh, in the DSL this year. Um, probably more because he was, I think signed little over a month ago, uh, maybe exactly a month ago. Um, but yeah, he is, this is going to be his age 20 season. He has experience in uh, the pros in Cuba. So he does come with a little bit more experience than even, you know, the other 20 year olds that are there. Um, but he didn't play much last year. So he's going to be in that same boat. We talked about with Gilkey Cespedes, just maybe he's not going to play that much. Uh, just kind of get into the swing of things, I guess, literally um, over the next few months. Um, I'm not, I mean, if he does really, really well, I could see him being in Kannapolis, uh, but it does seem like they want to keep more of their international guys back right now. Um, and a $500,000 bonus is a ton, um, but it's for a guy that was signed really, really late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wouldn't put huge, you know, flashlight on and say, watch this guy like Eric Hernandez or someone like that. Um, but I would say it's pretty even 50, 50, if he actually does start in Canapolis or next year. 
Okay, Darren, you can doubt the Paisan power. I have faith <laughs> in my friend Chapelli, uh, and we'll be enjoying a Prince Spaghetti night anytime <laughs> real soon. Go, man, go. Okay, let's get out of the DSL, um, though we will be recapping every single DSL game, no matter how painful it might be for Darren Black. I see he calls, he begs, and I say, no, man, listen, the people want it. They want to read about it. They want to learn about it. And you are our best teacher. So get out there and teach. And, you know, after a pep talk like that, Darren says, okay, let me at him. Let me get out of there. Let me leave this <laughs> locker room. Let me get out there and type. Okay. Uh, let's end on a general note. We've spoken on this before. I, my, my statement about it is usually derisive. Uh, it remains derisive as to, especially given how we let off the rookie league talk about, wow, where are you going to put all these guys? What's going on? There's a log jam. Well, it seems pretty odd, especially for a cheap, sorry, Jerry, cheap organization like the White Sox, not to have as many free, free players, free teams as you can, especially now that there's no more Great Falls Voyagers. The White Sox have just a sole uh, Arizona team. They have just a sole DSL team. Many other franchises have two of uh, to a piece. The White Sox do not. Now, something you pointed out, I want to say in the DSL preview, Darren, is resonant here, and that is they tend to uh, go about at least their international signings strangely. So the rosters end up being top heavy. So I guess it leads me to think as much as in theory, it might be nice to have 40 players running around these fields rather than 20 or I don't know, 50 rather than 25 or 30. Mm. Uh, if they can't fill out one team that's competitive and let's face it, DSL, I think has had one good year since we've been covering this stuff together. I don't know that Arizona ever has. Um, so it, is it just going to add, is this going to be more misery and more wasted time if the White Sox were? I mean, presumably you'd hire like more scouts and field the team with good players, but if it was that easy, they'd do it. Right. Uh, I mean, for the DSL, I'm not too sure how much it would add in the end, because it seems like the general thought process for the Sox is just to not have, just not make anybody there, like overextend themselves. Like no one's really playing every day. Uh, the catchers will play two times max, maybe three in a week, um, if they have one notable one. Uh, but they they just don't play enough already. I'm not too sure what it would add. Uh, for the rookie, for Arizona Complex League, um, I'm not too sure if someone has two teams right now. Um, but if you were able to, I, no, I think someone does have two teams. Um, well, regardless, you used to be able to have two teams, uh, from what I remember, in the uh, AZL. Um, and with the draft, you know, being a month later, maybe you kind of just combine those teams at the end and maybe the second team starts later it's a sep second separate league um that would just be an idea but i think once you come over to the state side of it i would totally understand having two rookie leagues um and that's what they used to have it used to be a nice you know stomping ground to say hey college guys go out to great falls get your minor league experience um in a more minor league fashion instead of you know at the spring training facilities um so I wish I wish that's what they would do, but now with the draft in July, it's kind of it might just be a moot point at this at this time. I think the White Sox got uh, maybe that was DSL. They, they they beat or lost to some team called Purple, right? 
uh, just yesterday. So, I mean, if they if they got teams called purple, they definitely have more than one team. But, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I guess I'd have to double check. I've assumed definitely in the past there have been multiple teams yeah. because we've discussed it. And it's like, well, why in the world the White Sox are not going to spend the top end of the market um, ever? Although I guess this year, what, they're, they're spending seventh in the league in the middle of their contention window? I apologize for criticizing you, Jerry. Uh, but I mean, come on, let's face it. Year after year, they find ways to try to uh, scrape a little bit. And you'd think this would still be an easy way just to, I don't know, just bring more players in. And who knows? You just need like one maybe guy on a roster a year to sort of catch fire and move up that you didn't expect to to have it pay off, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm not in the business of just like trying to crush dreams and like keep keep guys, you know, like making two grand a year. Uh, and getting setbacks, so then they retire in their 30 and they have no life left. And I'm not looking for that, but geez, the idea that you know this is supposed to supposed to like fuel dreams, uh, and you know, the white sexes are like, well, you know, one's enough. I mean, you wonder if they even want to like fully, you know, fully, like you said in the DSL, it's like they're not even really working terribly hard to you know give those guys reps that are you know necessary okay that's right yeah. dsl giants orange that was in the dsl so yeah who knows maybe arizona has trimmed back some teams i know in the past that wasn't the case but anyway all right if so i will rescind i will revoke <laughs> i will uh i will douse my criticism but still it was just a talking point because we blew through six levels in no time at all darren it's almost like a ball game is oh, yeah. for us to go back and watch so let's wind this thing up uh thank you uh for this back to back hey listen maybe we'll make it three weeks in a row who's to say if you're not completely ready to quit uh, after having to cover uh, all this uh pointless rookie league ball then maybe you know say next tuesday or something we'll uh we'll get back together i'll be here after a whole week of rookie league baseball with no draft oh don't let him lie to you the excitement in that voice is palpable you can hear it uh, okay, well, uh, Darren, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for uh, reading. Hey, listen, our, our it's still minor league updates still, even though the system is very clearly not that great. There's very little to get too <laughs> roused about. Uh, still managed to be, thank you all, families, friends, players, yourselves who read, because it does still consistently draw a lot of eyes, including uh, you, the Southside Sox readers, who do not have a vested interest in the results. No brothers, cousins, sisters or uncles in the system uh you know thanks for reading and thanks for uh, listening to our podcast here watching even sometimes and hey rumor has it just a week from now we may be back with you for the magical podcast number 30 darren until then good luck with the recaps i'll be editing them and you'll be writing them Woohoo! yeah hopefully <laughs> a winning week this time i can't uh, be too much to ask listen now you're just teasing people all right we'll catch everybody in a week uh thanks for listening uh see you in seven days